I'm Kevin Bachman. On this episode of Background Check Radio, today a federal agency said something I don't think you're going to like, and I don't think you're going to like my take on it either. Stick around. Today I read an advisory opinion issued by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, commonly called the CFPB. The CFPB issued an advisory letter saying, records reported as name match only does not meet the maximum possible accuracy standard of the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Now, the CFPB, as the name states, is charged with protecting consumers. So, This conclusion that reporting records using nothing more than a first and last name that is identical or similar to the applicant is not surprising. I'm I'm quoting directly from the advisory letter here. Quote, inaccurate information in consumer reports can have a significant adverse impacts on consumers. End quote. The letter goes on to cite several possible negative outcomes, many of which we're well aware of as professionals in the industry. I agree with the potential negative outcomes. I think you agree with the potential negative outcomes. Now, I haven't had a phone conversation with anybody about this yet, but I can imagine what people are upset about, and it's how this influences the decisions that they have to make inside their shop. How to obtain additional identifiers when it doesn't look like there's any additional identifiers. And I'm here to tell you guys, I think there's always a way. It might not be easy, It might not be cheap. It might require spending money for access to databases or subscription services or other sources of information you tap in frequently. It'll likely require calls with your internal or external lawyers to determine if the use of these additional data sources and reporting decisions you make will meet the FCRH standards. So it won't be easy, for sure. Now, for some of you listening here, I imagine you're saying to yourself, boy, that sure is rich, Kevin. I'm sitting here looking at 20 of these a day trying to figure out what to do. You're sitting in front of a microphone. Fine, that's fair. But I sat in that chair for 15 years too. And I can tell you in 15 years, I can count on two hands the number of times I or my team, we said to ourselves, we're done. We're out of options. We spent the extra money. We looked at extra data sources. We brainstormed. We called attorneys, court employees, prison officials. We're out of options. We need to make a name match only, report or don't report it decision. And the only reason I'm saying I can count it on two hands is because I figure there's probably a couple that I've forgotten about. So if I were still running a CRA today, today's announcement wouldn't have even been a ripple in the pond. And that's what I'm hoping happens for you right now once the dust settles. So I think to some extent, and and in some jurisdictions, we're overemphasizing the scope of the problem. Now, if you're listening, you're saying, Kev, what about Pacer? What about Michigan? What about California? And, and, and I understand. We're going to talk about that in a second. What I want to say is, if, if we step back, if we're worrying that this is going to be a major business disruptor across the board, I don't think that's the case. Okay, so now let's talk about what is probably uh, causing the most consternation amongst you and your team. Michigan and California DOB restrictions and the decades-long inability to get great identifier information out of PACER. That's, that's the bad news of the good news I just shared. I don't think it's going to be a major business disruptor across the board. It is a business disruptor or might be for Michigan, California, and PACER. So yeah, that's going to be a problem. But 
What's the good news of the bad news? This doesn't touch just you. This doesn't touch just your client. This touches everybody's clients. This touches all CRAs. That sure sounds like I'm saying there's no competitive advantage or disadvantage, right? Well, not so fast. See, as I said before, when you get to work for one company, you see how one company does it. And the luckiest part of my job, the best part of what I get to do, I get to see how a lot of companies do it. I guarantee conversations about procedures are happening right now. You take three CRAs, they're going to have three different processes. One of them, they're going to try real hard to find that additional identifier. They're going to try real hard for a couple days. One is going to try real hard for a couple weeks. The third, they're going to try real hard too for a couple of minutes. So I promise there will, there will be neither universal application of a specific process nor universal agreement on a specific period of time this trying hard will occur. And you know what that is? That's risk. Here's why. That shop that tries hard for a few minutes, they completed the screen faster. We may have opinions on the quality of that screen. That opinion may be the same. It may be different. But that screen's done, and the end user is ready to make a hiring decision. That shop that tries hard for a few days, maybe it extends turnaround time. Maybe it doesn't as other services are being worked on. That shop that tries really, really, really hard and maybe ultimately strikes out anyway, well, that hiring manager was upset. The recruiter was upset. Maybe the applicant was going to work in a revenue-generating position and it's been empty for 12 days. Maybe now the owner is upset. That's what I mean by risk. You know, you're trying your butt off here only to have your client yell at you for it. Yeah, that can happen. So I'm, I'm not offering an opinion on what constitutes how hard to try. And I'm not going to advise you on which additional data sources are relevant or acceptable. Well, I guess I'm not going to do it on the podcast. I, I do it behind closed doors with my clients. Um, and, and I don't say that because I'm trying to sell consulting services as much as I'm saying no two shops are the same and guidance changes based on, based on the specific attributes of the CRA. My, my point in laying that out without specifically offering an opinion is just to say, Whichever process you choose, your clients need to know your logic for it. That helps protect against client risk, uh, the risk of client defections. See, the how matters, the why matters, it matters a lot. How do you communicate this to your clients? Are you proactive or reactive? What is the message? Is it I can't or is it a regulator said? Is your message this happened to me or is your message this happened to us? This happened to every screener in the country. Essentially, what we're saying to our clients is, please, the grass isn't greener. Please don't fire me. Looking at this from a few other angles, I, I think PBSA, the Industry Association, has done a really nice job leading on this. I think they've done a real good job being transparent with stakeholders, with members, uh, and communicating frequently. And in Again, talking with the appropriate state and, and federal stakeholders on the issue of access to PII to ensure maximum possible accuracy. But part of me always wonders with topics like this, why don't we hear more from other affected parties? Why us? Or better asked, why just us? Where's the U.S. Chamber of Commerce on this? Where's the Business Roundtable? Where's SHRM? Where are safety and violence advocacy and victim rights groups on this?
Now, by giving those examples, I'm not saying they're doing nothing. They, they might be part of this and their, their input, their advocacy just doesn't hit our ecosystem. But I think the reason we think about it and we fight so hard for it is we're at the front line. We see what more access or less access does to the product. We see what it does to our ability to fulfill, to procure, to investigate, to price, and to make profit. See, our, our core goals are to serve our clients, provide them with accurate information, provide them with the confidence, increase the safety and security of their team, their customers, and their stakeholders. And for CRAs, there's goals for them too. Clients don't fire accurate partners as often as they fire inaccurate partners. Everybody gets to make some money. And the risk of CRAs getting sued for inaccuracy is lower when accuracy is higher. These are all noble intentions. But we're not the applicant who can be harmed by a false positive, a name match only. We're not the employer who's harmed if a name match only is reported or harmed if a name match only is not reported. We're not the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which studies and researches and has concluded name match only reporting can harm consumers. We're not one of the two primary stakeholders this affects the most. We have the best insight into what those impacts will be, and it definitely impacts us as furnishers and assemblers. But I think the industry adjusts to the guardrails placed upon us. Uh, a final thought to those here who aren't swayed by my the sun will come out tomorrow approach. Yes, I know it's tough. Yes, I imagine some shops will not report a record that otherwise might have been reportable had they had an identifier. But we've had three CRAs go public in the last few months. I'm sure they've made a decision on how to handle this. I have no insight into the moment as to what it is, but they've charted their course and their engines roar on. My point is to say, A, it's out of our control. And B, this touches us, but I only think in a meaningful way in Michigan, California, and Pacer. And there's other ways to obtain data. It's just a matter of how much time, effort, and money we want to spend chasing it down. I don't judge either way, but there's options, I promise. If you do think this is a significant challenge in other states, please find me because we should look at that. Seriously, there's a no judgment zone here. Now, I, I just said a minute ago, I, I wasn't going to offer advice on which path to choose, but now I'm going to offer advice on which path to choose. Not a procedure specifically, but, but business advice on how to handle this issue. Whatever decision you make, do it quickly. Because like I said before, this is out of our hands. It makes no sense to belabor this internally with your team or in your head. Don't let this drag you down. The world is too big and there are too many opportunities to create great things, great products, great relationships, and find new great clients. The world is brimming with opportunity, I promise. Thanks for listening to this episode of Background Check Radio. If you'd like to hear more, please comment, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks, and have a great day.